0: Hey chaps, happy Tuesday. Phenomenal. The forgotten day of the week. Not by us. Frankly. Frankly perfect. I just had a a wonderful bottom round, slow cooked for six hours on a bed of rice. Trying to think what was in the rice. Some glorious stuff, but anyway. Anyway. Hope you chaps are well. And I've titled today's stream. The Department of Winning. I had a great phone call today with a uh, Twitter anon, and um, it's just really encouraging, you know, when you when you reach out with guys and have calls and and have emails and and start connecting with the guys out there. You know, it's so easy to to fall into the Elijah mindset, to fall into, "Am I the only one? Am I the last guy out here?" and um, you know it's just great to to speak voice to voice um, and hear the voice of the other 7000 and it and it just and it just creates in, in massive uh, courage in your life and and hope in your own life so i really wanted to to hit on this thing today of of the winning mindset you know so often guys are defeatist black pill uh, you know pessimistic realism i'm just a realist brother you know like clown world is burning all around us and your conclusions your end game is different you know that's what determines whether someone is a happy warrior or a doom a doom and gloom black pill nihilist and for us it's like man like we're ascendant you know this this absolute you know clown world around us is the, the amount of resource, the insane amount of resources that are, that have to be pumped every day just to keep us from, from realizing our ascendancy. You know, there's that, that quote photo, or whatever of, uh, you know, if we were, if we were losing the propaganda, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be necessary. And so it is, you know, that we are such a stubborn, unbreakable uh group of people, this this Christian West. You know, we're we're still in it. We're still on the hill. And uh and the insane amount of resources being thrown at us to demoralize us, to discourage us, uh, to enslave us. And it's like I'm super optimistic because they can't keep it up. They can't keep up the charade. They can't keep up, you know, the ship's going to go down and we're going to float. You know, you look at those bloody Amish, those SS officers in disguise, man, they're ascended. Like the world burns around them. They couldn't care less. They're they're living their, their best life. You know, there's some Amish Joel Olstein being like, okay, brothers, <laughs> time to drink some beer. I don't know. I don't know what an Amish Joel Alstein would be saying. But he's saying it, he ain't messing around. And so it is for us, you know, we, we're borrowing a template, you know, I was, I was, I was chatting with a mate today and we were just saying, you know, we don't have a, we don't have a, we don't have our own model We we're, we're, we are building the model from scratch. Uh, we don't have that technology. Uh, it's too painful to build it back. You know, it's like, we're building it back. We're building back tribal technology, civilizational technology. So we, we're we kind of bumbling around. You know, we look at the Amish who are 400 years ahead of us. Uh, we look at the Mormons. We look at the Moisés. We look at the Jews. You know, they all have a very established social technology that we... And uh, we're doing it. We're forming tribe. And so, you know, I, I'm just incredibly optimistic that, you know... Come 30 years from now, by the end of our life, we will have bumbled into some very serious in-group construction, some in-group capital that we've built up for our our children and our children's children. W. Laser, do you think the feds could or Waco, uh, the Amish? You know, here's the deal with the Amish. They are not... to start venturing into direct threat. What was the direct threat of the Branch Davidians? You know, I think they started going into... It would be an interesting thing for us to to analyze why were the branch Davidians such a threat. You know, was it was it gun uh, was it gun gun ride issues? Was it children and 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 homeschooling? That it's a very it's a very good question to ask, W. Laser. So we can we can jump into that do some, do some digging and, and form some things and we can do a stream on that. That's a great idea. <clears throat> but my, my, my thoughts on, the, you know, I think for some weird reason, the Amish have set themselves. Maybe it's size of scale, you know, in a way, if you, if you go for one Amish compound, you know, if you went for the Amish in Waco, they're not an isolated, they're not their own little, you know, cause the branch Davidians by all intents, like that was it, right? That was their little cult compound. Um, and there was nothing else. So if they get wiped off the map, there's no reprisal. There's no, you know. Whereas with the Amish, there's 400,000 of them, and you go for one little village, and it's like, oh, maybe now the Amish want to become non-pacifistic, you know. So so maybe that's a, a leverage point for the Amish, that uh, that they they have critical mass, they have an in-group block that the Branch Davidians never had, and that a lot of us right wingers never had. Man, this is a this is a great. A great point to hammer for us, you know, <clears throat> the Amish have strength in numbers, the Mormons have strengthened numbers, the Jews, you know, they act as a diaspora. So the Jews are never, ever very highly concentrated, you know, wherever they are. I mean, in New York, sure they are, but wherever they are, they, they act as a diaspora, which means a network, which means they are a colony wherever they are networked to other colonies all over the place. And they pull and push on the network. They're never alone. You know, all six million of them go together everywhere through network, through, you know, this block, this diaspora thoughts. And so I was thinking about that today. You know, you look at the left, they are a huge, big tent of crazily just schismatic factions that hate each other and and are constantly eating each other. But they are brought together by the hatred of a single enemy. Uh, the Christian family or or the, the white Western, which is so the Christian family, which is predominantly white Western men, patriarchalism. Um, and so that is the target of their hatred, which kind of keeps them all along the same path, uh, fighting the same enemy. The moment you remove that enemy, they eat each other. Or the moment you triangulate them, they, they'll start to eat each other. But they're very skillful at, at, at managing their big tent of like, hey, stop fighting each other, fight orange man bad. Stop fighting each other, fight the church. Stop fighting each other, fight family. Stop fighting each other, fight white men. And they're incredibly good at creating a big tent of crazy factions. The right, however, you know, we have this middle centrist principled conservatives and we have the escaped libertarians. Those are your two options. Otherwise, you're a wacko right, right wing fringe neo-nazi. Like those are your three options. And so for me, like, I'm just really excited about, about this, uh, kind of a, a local frame, you know, this big tent of the local, local frame, getting local, getting practical because it transcends conservative, it transcends libertarian and it transcends dissident, right? Everyone can, if you explain to them well enough, everyone can be like, yeah, local is better than Washington DC. Like I can. If you explain to a dude who's a conservative, like, Hey man, you know, DC, yes, it's important, but you can't do anything. Here's what you can do. And you explain to them local economy. You explain to them local politics. You explain to them local social capital. You explain to them neo-Amish dominion over your local area. Everyone gets it. Even the libertarian. I was the libertarian. Even the conservative. I was the conservative. Like the moment you have localism explained to you land, wealth, power, uh, geographical dominion over a place, men's hearts go, yes, this is what I've thirsted for. But no one has ever given me. This is what I've thirsted for. We don't want Boogaloo at the state capitol. I mean, we want it, but that's, that's a, that's a false, that's entrapment. And that's why I say we're fed friendly. Feds can come and camp out in our live chat. Feds can come to our meetings because what we are doing is neo-Amish. We're, we're taking land wealth, Power, institutional power, none of this is illegal, none of this involves bloodshed, none of this involves uh Fed posting and fear and all this stuff. It's like, no, we can do this all above board. We can do this all with incredible legal smarts. There's there's legal pathways to do all of this as a as American citizens. So it's incredibly, incredibly exciting for us to to build this big tent of localism. Because you can be a right-wing bodybuilder, you can be a, uh, a homesteader, family uh, uh, homeschooler. You could be a Second Amendment rights activist, First Amendment rights activist. You can be, you know, the the manosphere. You can be uh, Christian uh, reformists. Like all of you can be Mormon. You can be, uh, you know, any of these kind of um, even the ANCAP guys are like, because if you explain to them local economy and e- economic dominion, they're like, I'm in. You know, and the whole proprietarian route and all of that kind of stuff. Same with the conservatives. You you explain nationalism as a function of localism. It's like they're all in. It's a big tent. And it's yes, we all have and again we need to start becoming we need to start becoming skillful at painting the bad guy. All of this big tent hates clown world. All of this big tent must crush the clowns under their feet. You know, that's our joint enemy. But we've also got a joint vision, which is localism. Which is, you know, you can, you can take dominion over your local area, be a man of high value in your uh, hierarchies, be a man of high value in your institutions, and, 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 and wield institutional power as a big block. Rob, welcome, brother. Right wing summer squads. Tanned, eggs, steel, it's on, chaps. A little bit of mowing the grass, short shorts. No longer than a six inch inseam, please. If we want to promote localism, the Lodge system is the path. Degrees, awards, ribbons are key to getting men to participate. Men will do amazing things for official recognition from their peers. Merit badges are greater than trying to explain Mises to men. Yeah, it's good, Rob. You know, it's that thing, like we were chatting um, about, like, fire teams and, and you know, 12 men, a teams. And, you know, men understand militarism. Men understand the military unit, the martial system. And, again, we can have Boogaloo ideology we can have boogaloo mindset but we are, our war is not against flesh and blood our war is in the in the institutional high places and so we need to start applying this and and having that you know we need our our covert you know groups of dudes who are you know taking ground and taking institutional uh, power and wielding all of this stuff and we we need networks of dudes and you know this is what is so exciting to me is this this colony mindset, this, uh, you know, we, we can either escape, which is what the libertarians advocate. We can conform, which is what the conservatives advocate, or we can dominate, which is what us localist guys are doing, right? You know, even labels are hard, right? Labels are hard to get. What are we? are we? Are we trad? Are we patriarchs? Are we dominion guys? Are we Christian nationalists? So, you know, it's like, yeah, all of it. We're, we're all of it. Homesteaders, permaculture guys, like, yeah, we'll take it all because it's all going in the same direction. And we can all get along. You know, that's the great thing here. I I feel this incredible shift. You know, before that, we were so memed into fighting each other. All of these dissident groups were fighting each other, fighting each other, fighting each other. Whereas I think there's finally been a switch. You know, I'm like, wait, I can be friends with a Mormon. It doesn't mean I'm converting to Mormonism. It means we're fighting the same direction. We're fighting the same enemy and we can be friends. You know, I can be friends with a right-wing bodybuilder, pagan sun worshiper. And it's like, we're fighting the same enemy, you know, and we can go hard together. And it's like, I think there's this incredible thing of understanding friendship in wartime. We are in an institutional war. Rob, the large system is great for teaching men to exclude non-brothers. Yeah, in-group preference, right? So this is a huge thing about localism is in-group preference. You know, this is where a lot of, you know, you still, you still see it today with a lot of the libertarian guys, man, they have zero in-group preference, zero love for their place, Zero love for their people because they don't have people, right? They don't have anyone outside of their own interest. But I think the moment a lot of libertarian guys get married and have children and own land, they're like, did I just become an axe and trash can nationalist? Well, you know, because it's like, okay, my land matters. My people matter. Who lives around me matters. Having in group preference to protect the stability of the people around me matters. And then we start becoming conscious of like, wait, this is amazing. Like our place is wonderful. Or if our place is struggling, it's like, wait, it's up to me to make this place wonderful. And there's a template. There's a, a vision and we can still are going. And how many guys do we need? We need four dudes, 12 dudes, 40 dudes max, you know, but it's, that's where we start. Tribalism starts at four dudes, a fire team, you know? And I think we've been, again, like realizing all the little hangups we have of like, well, tribalism means knowing a thousand people who are all my guys. And it's like, no, no, no. Tribalism is four dudes who are ride or die. And we've got a mission together and we, we do risky things together. We do, we, we give our gift uh, towards a mission together, you know, and it's like, whoa, like that's amazing. And so, you know, I'm just super pumped this, this whole, the local white pill, you know, there's, if you're doom and gloom, it's because you don't have, either don't have the tools to navigate. The, the sinking of the ship or you don't know that there's a better once the sink the ship sinks it's like right now our little life rafts are, we can now govern our own little life rafts and our little life rafts are going to float and we can build them and it's like wait we get to build our own life rafts and choose who gets on and like choose where it goes and like that big ship that was oppressing us and feeding us crap food and we didn't like the musicians and we were in the third class it's like we can get out of that it's like yeah It's amazing. Like, life is amazing. You know, now we enjoy the decline. Now we enjoy the local grind. We enjoy in-group preference. We enjoy watching the clowns re. You know, it's like life becomes just pumped. Andrew Graves, welcome, brother. Hello. Winning department is speaking. Rob, libertarianism is a political cover for action, for nihilism and hedonism. At best, it's a holding pattern for Stoics and it is a losing strategy. Yeah, you know, and, and being so in it myself, I have a lot of compassion. You know, again, libertarians are often the guys who won't accept the normie conservative shtick. So like they're one step ahead, right? They are the fringe. They just they just think the only other option is neo-Nazism. Uh, and it's like, they're not going to do that. And so it's like, that's why when you present uh. Localism. You present blood and soil, and you present people and place, and you present godly duty and patriarchy and dominion. I'll tell you right now, fifty percent of libertarians will be like, "I'm in." Fifty percent of conservatives, I'm in. Fifty percent of neo Nazis is like, "Wait, I don't have to shave my head." Uh, okay. It actually, sounds a lot better. I can bring my wife and kids to the to the meetings. Yeah. Okay. I'm, uh, yeah. No, it makes sense, bro. Fifty percent of neo Nazis will be. Fed, federally approved. <clears throat> so, yeah, man, you know, I think it's so cool. So I wanted to to hit on a few things. Introvert and extrovert strategies for localism. I think it's easy to just tar with a broad brush. You know, these are the things we need to do. These are the things we should do. But it's good to know, you know, like good to know our, our domains. You know, are you a government guy, economy guy, media guy, ministry guy? You know, those are great things to know and, and, and to direct our energy and and who are the guys we are. Doing missions with for the institutions in those domains. That's a great thing to to know. Another thing is, am I an extroverted guy or am I an introverted guy? You know, what am I gonna be the guy out, you know, having dinner with the sheriff, whining and dining, all the people I'm meeting at all the different local economy at the stores? Am I gonna be the guy, you know, running for office and and knocking on doors? And because some of you guys are that guy. Then awesome, go do that thing. And then some of you guys are gonna be introverted, right? And you're gonna be guys who are like. No, I actually, I'm going to come up with strategies or I'm going to, I'm going to crash in my project and I can actually do things. I'm masterful at application. I don't want to do all the, all the meeting and greeting. I don't want to like, I just want to do stuff. You know, whatever your like mix of personality, we need to take that into account and take the pressure. Chaps, this is fun. This is a fun war. Institutional war is fun war. A holy war is a happy war. We need to be doing things that we are pumped that we are skillful at, that we are just passionate about, that we have talent at, those are the things we need to be doing. You know, so if if we're saying the stuff of like, hey man, you guys need to reach out and you need to start, you know, doing local this and that, it's like if it's not your domain, you you probably don't need to do it. So don't put that pressure on yourself. You know, if it's not your skill set or gift set to go in, and you know make a 500 person investment list and blah, it's like don't do that. Like find out what you are good at and give your gift to The guys, because it's like, man, this is the, the great and happy thing here. We can crush at the things we're good at, and men give you honor because you're good at the thing you're good at, and it compliments everyone else, you know. And then this adds to that thing of, of dropping our insecurities. So many of us are so insecure because we're like, man, I'm not actually good at doing this thing, but I, I'm, I'm competing for honor. Whereas, like, when you just drop all that stuff and be like, dude, there's we're in a war, there's no time for Bearing your gift. There's no time for trying to steal someone else's gift. Like, dude, do your gift. And if there's someone else who does it, that means God needs two of you. Like, do your gift, and and drop the insecurities, drop the, the fear of giving your gift to other men, the fear of reaching out to other men, the fear of uh, providing your contribution. Rob localism is at a scale that will work to convert many radical individuals. Find several friends that you want to spend your free time with, and you'll lose interest in a relationship. Through a telescope, that's so good as well, bro. You know, so so here's the next thing, right? Is the quality of the people around you. You know, so many of us we want to do great things with great men, attempting. You know, give our gift, great men attempting great things, and that's what's great, man. It's like you, like who are my bros? You know, I, I love that little fish. You know, the the fasciets for the, tongue-in-cheek meme that uh, Benito Mussolini and he's like fascism just means having a good time with your bros. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly it. Find some bros, have a good time, enjoy life, become a patriarch with some, some bros, you know, go for institutional power with some bros. Life is fun, chaps. God loves you. God is not some sky daddy in the sky, dower and no, no fun. No, no, no punishment and sacrifice and dourness. It's like, no, 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 like God loves you. He's a good father. You know, in your heart, if you have, you know, if you guys have kids or if you want kids, like in your heart, how much you love your children, God loves you more than that. How much you want the best for your children, God loves you more than that. And it's like, we have to have this, this theology, this end outcome of our life that God wants us, you know, David in the desert wasn't moping around like a victim. You know, that was such a great analogy, man. Like David you know, and King Saul, it's his own tribe. It's his own people. And King Saul goes clown. And and he starts trashing the kingdom. You know, and David's like watching his civilization implode around him. The Philistines start attacking and invading. Everyone's defeated. Like his own family is probably suffering and their economy and reprisals and all this stuff. And it's like the dude's world was worse than our clown world. Because there was actual physical violence happening to his family in his area. And he was chased out of his local area. He couldn't, he, he was, he was outcast pariah, on the run from his own people, his own feds, his feds were tracking him down for non-illegal activities, persecution, reprisal. And it's like, the dude was just having a great time with his bros out in the desert. Like, you know, that's the thing of like, encourage yourself in the Lord. God loves me. He's going to bring me into, to my promised land. And it's like, chaps, that's the mindset we have to have—this winning mindset of like, you know, even to the point of God showing off. You know, Saul comes into the cave to have a crap, and David's there, and his dudes are like, "You're gonna do it? You're gonna kill him?" And he's like, "No, God'll, God'll kill him. God'll kill him for me. I'm not gonna touch the Lord's anointed." And it's like, dude, that is showing off—that you're a man after God's heart. Like, I'm not afraid. I'm not. I'm not worried. Like, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a victim. I'm having, I'm having a great time with my bros, 400 of them, in fact. All righty. Laser. I think a lot of libertarians just want the space and freedom to live peaceful, moral lives. Yeah. Their plan fails when they think they can achieve their goals by giving space and freedom to to degenerates, to clowns. Exactly, bro. You can't treat your enemy with the same in-group preference as your friends. You know, we have to have this friend-enemy distinction, that, that ADIQ, grug, friend-enemy distinction. Friend good, enemy bad. And then you can be libertarian with all your mates. You know, you can you can have a bunch of mates, but first you put a massive wall around your commune, your libertarian, I know it's an oxymoron, libertarian commune. <laughs> but in order, like the Amish have it right. You have to have an in-group and an out-group. You have to know who your guys are, who you can treat with laissez-faire and who the dudes are. You're like, get off my property, get out of here. And I'm going to take it and I'm going to use my institutions to make you, to crush you from, you know, preemptive nap, you know, because those, those clowns, they aren't going to let you alone. If clowns see children, they will want to perform. W. Laser, If I leave the degenerates alone, they will respect my way of life as well. Yeah, we're so, we're so generous of heart to, to evil. We're so generous of heart to clowns, to people who want us dead who want to enslave us, who want to to destroy our way of life. You know, we're like, oh, I'll just give them benefit of the doubt, Scott. You know, just treat everyone with respect and they'll treat you with respect back. It's like, sorry, buddy. That's called friend-enemy distinction. Friends, you treat them well, they treat you well back. An enemy, fool me once, shame on shame on me, fool me twice, and go to fool me again. Rob, be on time, work hard. Be the friend that will help move a couch in the rain. Loyalty is a mighty gift you can give. Yeah, and it's the simple things, man. It's the simple things of doing stuff together, you know, doing stuff with people and building social capital. And I think that's where life is so wonderful. You know, you cut out all the, you know, there's a great story in the Bible of the Israelites coming out of slavery in Egypt and they're about to enter the promised land. They're at the river to, to enter the promised land. And so they send 12 spies into the promised land to scout out how they're gonna attack and invade. And the 12 spies come back, and two dudes, Joshua and Caleb, they're like, chaps, it's on. Like, the grapes are this big. The freaking milk and honey. Yes, the bees are pumping. The, The people are petrified of us, let's go. Let's gun it. And the other 10 spies are like, welcome to CNN. Today in the promised land, 12 giants ate a little Israelite by hand. You know, and it's like they, they demoralized the people and the people believed the, the 10 scared spies. And so they turned back in their hearts. The The scripture says uh, they turned back in their hearts and limited the Holy One of Israel. In other words, God was going to go with them to dispossess the land, to, to possess the land. God was going to go ahead of them and win their battles for them. But because they listened to demoralization and listened to CNN, they turned back in their hearts and had to spend 40 years in the desert until they all died off, till all the normies died off so that the new young generation who weren't afraid could go across. Fear will kill your dreams, chefs. Fear will kill your tribe. Fear will kill your calling, your gift to give. You know, we have to cut out the, the, the doomies. We have to cut out the grievance peddlers. And we have to surround ourselves with guys who are white-pilled, with guys who are, are bold and not afraid. You know, and it's like, then it's like, yeah, life is great. Life's amazing. W-Laser, loyalty begets loyalty. Yep. Rob, people have become so unreliable. Be the guy that answers the phone and helps his neighbors. It will seem like a superpower to your peers. Yeah, exactly. So another another huge thing for us is understanding what the desert is. You know, talking of David and Saul, what is the desert on a local level? For a lot of us, you know, not going to Walmart, not, not going to... Kroger not going to McDonald's not going to Starbucks not going to Lowe's not going, uh, not not having an Amazon prime subscription like all of those things are like living in the desert in our modern world, you know, but it's like Those are all clown institutions that are destroying your people in place and it's like Okay, the desert everything's a little bit harder Everything's a little bit more scarce, you know, and it's like we need to start understanding economic survival, in-group, friend-enemy, you know? And yeah, of course, chaps, you know, 28. there's going to be a time where like, yes, I need some stuff. The only place I can get it is Walmart. I need some stuff. The only place I can get it is Amazon. Like totally understandable. You know, for, for those of you guys who are running businesses through Amazon, that's great. Game the system, you know, get your coin out. That's great. But for the rest of us who are just like mindless consumers with your enemy, Try become a mindful consumer to your local economy. You know, can I get this from people in my local economy? Or can I get this through my network, my diaspora? I think this is such an important thing, Chas. We have to cultivate a diaspora mindset. There's 7,000 other dudes just like you, just like you. A carbon copy of your thoughts, of your passions, of your desires, of your ideology. There's 7,000 other dudes out there. And it's like we need to find those dudes online, Twitter, you know, whatever, whatever the case. And we need to start having this diaspora mindset, you know. If you can't find it local, find it through your network, you know. And and that's like, if you can't do institutional projects local, find it through your network. And that's where things get super exciting again. It's like, man, there's so many of us. There's so many of us. It's like, chaps, you know. If only we could see how many there were of us. They have to. They have to deplatform us. They have to ban us. They have to shadow us. They have to smear us. It's like, cause we're ascendant. We're ascendant chaps, you know, and the future belongs to those who show up. You know, it's like for those of you guys who are single, like, man, God bless you to find amazing wives. You know, the future belongs to those who show up, have as many children as we can. For those of you guys who have children, God bless you. You know, it's like, man, for, for those of us who haven't got children yet, like pray ask God for many, many children. You know, it's like the future belongs to those who show up. And that's the thing for us, man. It's like, We've got to have a a positive vision for our children. You know, this next 30, for a lot of us, we have 30 to 60 years, God willing, of life left ahead of us. It's like, what institutional power can I build in this next 30 to 60 years that my children can have ascendancy, that my children's children can have ascendancy, that this Titanic going down our raft is just cruising, just ascending. Praise God for it. Evan Miller, welcome, brother. Uh, Limby Banda, welcome, brother. I like the whole idea of copying the Amish. Yeah, we've got to look for positive models, man. You know, you look at you look at the Jews, you look at the Moses, you look at the Mormons, you look at the Greeks, you look at the Portuguese, you look at the Chinese, they all have insane in-group preference. And that's what we, we need, you know, like the, the Christian West suffers from a demonization of in-group preference. You know, oh, I'm not a racist, please. Please don't call me racist, anything but that. You know, guys, chaps, racist is just a slur, an ethnic slur for white guys uh, who won't accept blame for clown world, who won't, you know, we don't have authority. We don't have the institutional power to fix clown world, but they're trying to pin it on us that it's our fault. And it's like, no, I don't, I don't accept that. Not my, not my circus, not my clowns, not my zoo, not my monkeys, you know? And that makes you racist. And it's like, that's fine. It's just an ethnic slur. And I don't care if people call me names because I've got nothing to lose. Neither do you guys. It's It's paper walls of terror. You know, I'm telling you, chaps, it's paper walls of terror. You know, and once we get this network mindset, this diaspora mindset, for a lot of you guys, man, if you get social suicided, social assassinated, I'm telling you right now, there's a better life ahead for you. Man, you gain instant honor. You know, if you take one for the team, if you take one for the network, instant honor, you know? So don't be afraid chaps, you know? Yes. Be wise, be wise to, to win, uh, institutional power in your hierarchies and to, to, to subvert the clowns, beat the clowns at their own game, but don't be afraid of being killed, socially killed, economically killed. There's 7,000 brothers who, who are like, welcome brother, you know, super exciting. And that's the, the whole thing with the Amish, you know, they're close ranks, they ride or die, you know? You don't come at one of theirs and they throw him under the bus. You come at one of theirs and they all laugh at you, you know. <laughs> because how are you going to find the guy? He probably doesn't even have a birth certificate. They all look the same, you know. They're all wearing the same SAS officer uniforms. They've all got the same sweet lip shave. It's like, man, no one cares. No Amish guy cares if you write a news piece or a headpiece. It's like, no one cares because they've got they've got tribal power. They've got they've got right or die. And that's what we're building, chaps. I'm telling you right now, you know, we have that. We just, we just, we're the first ones building it. So we're like, uh, uh, you you know, we're we're figuring it out. We're feeling it out. You know, we don't know if we can trust it yet, but it's like, chaps, trust, trust your mates. We're there. You know, there's 7,000 of us more, you know, super exciting. All right. And then the long game, long game patience. That's another great thing to take from the Amish and and all these other in-group in group preference groups, long game patience land is a long game patience strategy. You know, I've I, I've been thinking a lot on this whole thing of of debt. You know, obviously we we've gotten out of debt, paid off all our debts, and, and we've been li- living the debt free life. And I'm I'm still a thousand percent against consumer debt. I'm still a thousand percent against frivolous consumer spending and, and credit card spending and all that stuff. But starting to really think along the lines of like all right, land is a long game. Land is a long, cultural long game. It's an institutional power game. It's a platform for institutional power, for economy, for sovereignty, for privacy, uh, for certain uh, accessibility uh, association, etc. And so thinking along those terms, you know, like, okay, you know, if clowns are going to be printing money to, to the bottom of, of hell, it's like okay, you know, maybe we do play play that game of, of taking our bonds on on land. You know, I'm still working through that myself, but it's like I can see that I can see, you know, that's that's and it's not a sin, chaps. Debt is not a sin. I, I want to cl- clarify here, you know, debt's not wise, but it's not a sin, and it can, you know, it can. Yeah, it's a whole nother rabbit hole. But praise God for that. Another long game is family, chaps. You know, if if we can. If we can have as many, cho- you know, as many children as possible, get uncomfortable. If we, you know, praise God, like, you know, I'm telling you right now that if if you have thirty, forty, fifty descendants from your line sixty years from now, like, imagine that, like, whoa, you've started a tribe, you know, and and to actually take a institutional patriarchal role, you know, because a lot of our Western uh, fathers grew up with the libertarian mindset, the the, oh, you do it yeah, as long as you're happy, but you do what you want to do, you know? Whereas you start looking at some of these patriarchal families where, where it's like, no, no, we've got a joint mission. We've got a joint land. We've got a joint family value and vision. And it's not to enslave the children. It's not to make them a slave, but it's to, it's to instill in them legacy of like, you know, the greatest inheritance is not money. The greatest inheritance <clears throat> is mission is a sense of institutional war through our family as a house as an aristocratic house these are our family lands these are our this is our family area region these this is these are our family businesses and we're going to keep adding to them as more sons have different domains and different institutions they crush in this is our family in-group economy this is our family in-group uh, resolution so you know because all families are dysfunctional let me tell you you know, no family has a perfect little, everyone loves each other, kumbaya. And so that's part of the patriarchal experience is is sorting out, you know, hey, chaps, you don't have to like each other, but we're on the same mission. So we need to respect each other. You know, that I'm telling you right now, that would sort out so many families right away. You know, having a mission that is bigger than any one generation. Un-Canadian, welcome. Welcome. Are you a leaf? Probably you're an unleaf. Hmm. right or die brothers plunder the clown world to start the new world so good brother that's a great one rob debt for liabilities is a poor idea debt for capital goods assets is a winning strategy yep old old rob rob dog kiyosaki over there love it so we need to play this long game chaps the next thing is institutional long so so we've got land family you know obviously wealth is a long game if you if you're investing in 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 businesses and uh you know stocks and things that go for the long game compounding interest that's a that's a long game uh institution uh another thing there is you know because i've heard stories of of families that have investments spanning like 400 years in certain like uh you know bonds or or stock markets and things like that and it's like yeah we haven't touched it for seven generations and now it's like four billion dollars or whatever it's like (laughs) wow like that's amazing um and same thing with land you know you buy you buy a choice piece of land now you know you have to understand demographic trends And it's like, chaps, land is a phenomenally valuable thing. But then also, you know, you look at businesses, you know, starting businesses and and having family businesses, you look at institutions such as schools, academies, media houses, you know, publishers, uh, magazine type, you know, uh, publications, um, NGOs, charities, things that are multi-generational institutional power players that. You can train your children into wielding. You can train your children into carrying on. You know, chaps, we should have vindictive wills. You know, our wills should have within them the crushing of clown world beyond the grave. You know, I'm leaving this land and these assets and these institutions for the crushing of these specific clowns. Plunder clown world to build the new world. Love it. Afro Nrx, welcome, brother pulling me out of my funk yeah man you know all of us man you know if you are living in the western christian world like that's how they get us man nihilism despair funk you know because why they 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 demoralize us they they pump insane demoralization weapons grade demoralization these dudes study man you know it's the whole mk ultra that satanist dude who who joined the cia and like was doing like super hypnosis and mind control crap and like chaps it's real it like you know Guys like to be like, oh, don't blame the boomers, like blah, blah blah. It's like no, it's real. Like, like we are, we are the targets of insane, demonic grade, military grade psyop uh, propaganda, demoralization, porn, fear porn. You know, so chaps, to be in a funk is no fault of your own necessarily. You know, and a lot of guys are like, oh, it's you know, we yes, we can do stuff to get out of it. But understand the insane environmental atmospheric pressures upon us. Our water, our food, our TV, our social media, our the the frickin' hierarchies that we're in with clowns who are over us and normies who just who hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't tell me the truth. The the clowns will, will reprise me. And it's like we get demoralized. <clears throat> and so how do we get out of our funk? It's by meeting other dudes and just having a phone call, man. It's by seeing other dudes who are sane and be like, oh, you see the clowns. Like, thank God. (laughs) Like, I thought I was the only one. You know, was I the only guy who saw the clowns? Am I the only guy? It's like, no, no, no. Brother, there's 7,000 other dudes who haven't bowed their knee to the clowns, nor kissed the little clown ring. With that being said, start filtering your water, cut out sugar, eat a lot of meat, lift your weights, sun your balls, and praise the Lord. And call Call guys just man. I'm telling you right now being on a call for 15 minutes with another dude who you know is not a clown lover It'll change your life. We all just want to know. We're not alone. We just want to know. We're not gonna die alone On some hill. It's like, no, no, we're all here with you, buddy Jake Stein, Welcome, brother stein stein Agriculture is the longest game dude building soil man, you know, that's exactly it You know Cultivating land, building—you know—and and this is a great long game as well for us. You know, can we buy degraded land, unloved land now for 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 cheaper than than prime land, and over generations make it beautiful, make it valuable, make it fertile, make it productive? And it's like that's a great long game strategy. You know, I love that Wendelberry thing of like once once a land once land goes multi generational, the family doesn't own the land, the land owns the family. So cool. <clears throat> Rob, don't touch receipts. Yeah, you know, I need to get better about saying no, but sometimes I'll just like open the bag and like, put it in there, lady. <laughs> uh, love it. Alrighty. So yeah, this other long game thing of, of here's, here's another long game thing. Diasporic relationships, network relationships. You know, the biggest thing my father, the biggest capital that, my father was a, a wealthy man, a, a brilliant man a man of of immense institutional prowess. His greatest capital that he built over his life was relationships. You know, the, the, the boomers didn't have, <clears throat> he wouldn't even be a boomer. He would have been a greatest generation. He was born right on the end of the greatest generation. They did, you know, if he had had Twitter, he would have had, I don't know, 50,000 followers. And, you know, it's like, the The social you know, for us, we measure our social capital in in Instagram, YouTube, our uh, how many messages on our phone, email lists, all of this kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> but my dad, you know, like thinking about like all the people he knew, all the projects he did with different dudes, it's like, man, if you can hand that on to your sons, if you can take your sons around with you from the age of like twelve, you know, I love that thing in 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 Jewish culture where you become a man at twelve and you start working your father's business. And it's like, you start going along with your dad. And it's like, yeah, this is this guy. This is this guy. You know, we do this for this guy. This guy does this for us. And you start meeting. And then you start meeting the generations of those guys. And now you start becoming friends with those guys' children. And it's like, do you know how we have been robbed? Like, that's the joy of the Amish life. They have multi-generational 5D social prowess. Diasporic, like just absolute glory. Like that's what we've been robbed of because we don't have an in group and because we are separated from our fathers and because we have no understanding of institutional warfare and because we have no one, un- under- no, it, okay, a lot of things going on, but we're fixing it. We're plundering the clowns to build the new world. I like it very much, Mr. UnCanadian. All righty, uh, Evan Muller. My home county in the Southeast is six times the population it was in 93. Cannot stress how important owning land is. Once it's gone, you're stuck on a postage stamp. Yeah, so true, brother. You know, and and that's it. You know, we need, that's another desert place thing of being willing to go out a bit further from luxury land, you know, and, and be out in the rurals for a little bit, you know, to get a bit bigger land, more land, or to, to again, go in with tons of dudes and start buying up your neighborhood, start buying up blocks, start buying up. Uh, you know, I know now it's stopped up with all of this Corona legislation stuff, but once you can start buying foreclosures again, like start getting investment groups together and maybe, you know, start taking up city land that way. <clears throat> if you are going to stay in a, in a urbanized area, <clears throat> Rob, there are no unsacred places. There are only sacred and desecrated places. Wendell Berry, So good, bro. And that's it. You know, if we can start buying up desecrated, you know, there was a great tweet today. One of the, one of the Catholic guys I follow, on Twitter. He said that if the South had won the war, uh, America would have looked more like Europe, you know, beautiful towns, beautiful buildings, beautiful architecture. But because the North won industrialism, uh, just totally ravaged the land. And, and we have this, you know, absolutely crap, modern commercial squalor, urban hellscape. And I was thinking about that and I was like, man, he's probably onto something, you know, cause you look at my friends have a, a lake, a lake house and, um, there are all these little mobile home, uh, trailers, but they've all built these beautiful decks on them and we go down and visit often. And, and it's stunning. It's wonderful. It's good for the soul, but you look at Italian lake houses, <laughs> you look at, at Spanish lake houses, you know, you look at French river houses and it's like, Hey chaps, <laughs> we're missing out on something here. And that's the long game you know and a lot of it is zoning laws a lot of it is crap freaking local politics local council it's the long game chaps it's the long game you know you know you know what a long game is if you can can do a 10 20 year campaign of getting through onto local council and getting your four or five guys onto local council and and you know churches are incredibly important social capital they're not how a tribe should be run but they're an important part of a tribe. If you can get your tri- your church to start showing up to vote for your candidates, you know if you have a block of 100 dudes show up for everything to vote in your local town like that's a freaking voting block. But a long game. If you can take over your your local council and start pushing through no franchise laws in your county, you know, kick out McDonald's, kick out Walmart, kick out all these freaking franchises. And it's all mom and pop shops like you've created a haven for mom and pop shops to come up again. You know, if you can kick, if you can make building codes that take away the minimum square footage, uh, crap, and, and instead you legislate against plastic and metal buildings and it's like, it's got to be log brick or stone, you know, like, and it can be any size you want, small, big, you can build to the edgy a lot, not like, you know, wrath of neon has all of that stuff, but it's like, that's a long game changing your County to be a beautiful place, you know, changing your little lakeside community from a bunch of trailers to beautiful villa, you know, Italian vibes. It's like, praise God. You know, the Italians' boats are even more beautiful. Praise God. <clears throat> DBG, it reminds me of how in the Bible, the patriarchs didn't necessarily ask for money from other close friends, but swear to me that you and your descendants will deal kindly with me and my descendants. So good, brother. You know, that is that is amazing. You know, as a father, you know, this is where the the kind of the Italian mafia... Uh, trope comes from, you know, of like Luigi. I am soon going to die. Take care of my boy Okay, boss. I take care of your boy. Swear to me. You take care of my boy. It's like I take care of your boy You know, it's like that's what that's what we want That's what we want All righty uh, DG I wonder if part of the reason that the federal government and liberal cities are now stopping foreclosures and evictions is to keep guys like us from buying up these properties cheap while we can, yeah, I heard something uh, from one of the guys, and you know, remember back? I think it might have been around Christmas time. No, it would have been maybe Christmas time. There was that bomb blast, that 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 van <laughs> blew up in Tennessee, in Nashville, in like some little suburb in Nashville or or neighborhood in Nashville. And this guy was saying he's a music, he's a he's a homesteader who is a musician in the Nashville area. He says he knows that area quite well, and he says what was happening was. His, you know, so so this van blew up, destroyed a whole street, knocked out Wi-Fi and all the stuff, and they were like, "Oh, it was a it was a hit on the internet in that area, or whatever." And this guy was saying, like, "No, no, no," all these local pub owners and local businesses and whatever had been like absolutely, you know, uh, I don't want to say gentrifying because it was never crap in the first place, but loving this sacred place, this neighborhood, and apparently uh, some of the like local politicians were wanting to put up a housing development or like knock down all these old quaint buildings. Um, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't buy out, you know, all of these local guys were holding strong as a, as a, as a chamber, as a group. And so they basically just, <laughs> just blew the place up, baby. And I'm sure it's the same thing with, with these, uh, with these foreclosures, you know, I bet you, you know, there's going to be insiders, you know, cause if you're an insider in local politics or even, national politics, you know, when all, you know, like it's, it's like Pelosi buying up, like they knew there was going to be a, an electric vehicle law or, or, Oh, some big contract for a huge government contract going over to electric vehicles. So like the week before they signed the bill, before anyone finds out about the bill, Nancy Pelosi goes and drops a million bucks into Tesla and all these other EVs things. And it's like, all politicians operate this way. They know what the zoning things, So it's like, we play the long game. We get into those positions. We play the game. Praise God. But yeah, exactly that, man, with these foreclosures and things. Cray cray. And then another thing with the long game, SMV and sexual honesty, sexual market value and sexual honesty. You know, another huge thing for us with the long game is picking the pool. Not necessarily, you know, I think arranged marriages are based, but you also don't want to like, you know, literally enslave your child to a woman he's repulsed by, you know, because you can be chemically repulsed by each other, you know, that would suck. But getting into this thing of, of SMB of training our sons, you know, and if you guys are still yet unmarried training yourselves into higher sexual market value, you know, becoming fitter, dressing better, being more confident, understanding the nature of women, the nature of clown world, uh, the nature of marriage, family, all this kind of stuff, but raising your, your children in that way. And then because we have this diaspora, this network, so maybe not necessarily arranging marriages, but arranging the dating pool, you know, and arranging the dating values and vision, you know? So, so for a lot of us, like we can start, you know, raising our our daughters of like, Hey, 16 to 16 to 20 is when you want to, like, this is your prime sexual market. Your highest value is, is 16 to 20. And it's like, you want to trade those chips in for the highest value guy you can find. So here's eight or nine families that I know who I like the dads I like, you know, we've spent time with them. Here's eight or nine dudes. Here's a good dating pool. You know, like here's your option. Well, it would be the other way around probably with with the guys. You know, here's eight or nine girls that are a great, great family. Uh, you know, do your thing, young Juan. <clears throat> and then that's a, a great thing as well is, is we then literally, literally start becoming a tribe, an ethnic tribe. Because now there's intermarriage. There's intermarriage of these houses, of these families. You know, so now our diaspora doesn't just become ideological. Our diaspora doesn't just become economic. Our diaspora doesn't just become institutionally linked, but it's literally it, it we're becoming a new nation. You know, that's where the Amish are at. They're literally the the, the colonies are 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 intertwined by marriage. DVG, I look at arranged marriages less as one to one, but more like one to twenty. In other words, you can choose someone from this network or pool. Yeah, exactly. So good. Anthony Esselin has written extensively on this. Where are the dancers? Where young people can meet, etc. Yeah, you know, putting on uh, things like that. You know, for for and and a huge thing for that is like festivals. You know, dancers festivals. Having you know, I think this is what I'm really excited about with our network of our broad tent of guys that we're we're building. You know, our tribe happens in four four guys, 12 guys, 40 guys, 120 guys. But we're also going to have this broad tent of 7,000, you know, or more guys. it's like, we need to start having festivals together. Like maybe even the summer, let's, let's have a, you know, let's have our our summer get together and wear short shorts and drink beer and, and have a good time and, you know, make it family friendly, you know, bring, bring your, bring your families along. And, you know, I I think there needs to be this, this return to festivals, this return to feasts, to praising the Lord together and, uh, gathering together to, to set the vision ahead for the year and be thankful for the year past, you know, and getting out of our little, you know, cause for so many of us, we think we're, we're trying to do this with our immediate family. And for a lot of us, our family will never be part of our tribe. They'll, they'll, they'll come along with us on our tribe, but they, a lot of our family are stuck in their institutions. They're normies to their institutions and they don't understand what you're trying to do. Why won't you shop at Walmart? Why are you homeschooling your child? Why are you doing all this stuff? They, they don't understand or they fear reprisal, you know, of you getting a bit, a bit too dangerous to, to the clowns, And so, so, so relax your expectations on them, bless them, love them, be compassionate towards them, but let's have our tribe with our guys. Let's have our festivals and, you know, and, and go hard. And then, we, and then once there's institutional power of, of diasporic festival of tribal festival, then our families will come in and be like, Oh wait, you're not the only guy. Oh, so this is not Ruby Ridge. This is not Waco. Okay, for a moment there, we thought you were mixing Kool-Aid. Not that bad though. I like I like these people. They're some pretty good guys. Some top guys. Don't let me down. You guys better be top guys. <clears throat> Uncanadian. Homeschool world in the Midwest does this pretty well. I'm sure. I've seen yeah, tons of, of homeschool meetups and stuff around it. Looks pretty awesome. Praise God for that. DVG. You know, and I read that thing on Canadian. I read, I read an article. I can't remember who it was by, but he was saying, <laughs> he was saying how Midwest homeschool groups are like the next overlords. You know, because they're like IQs of 130, and they're having like 10 kids per family, and they're like, you know, building institutional power. And I was like, this is great. Uh, DVG, what is an ethnic group? Just people that have lived in the same place for generations and are now genetically intertwined we can create a new ethnic group. Yeah, that's the Afrikaners. You know, that's the Afrikaners in South Africa. That's the the coloreds in South Africa which are the Malay and, and Khoisan mix. Um, you know that that's technically the Amish? Technically the Mormons, you know? You can create exactly that. You know, it's tribe, it's a new tribe. And it's all about in-group, you know? Right now I'm this big in-group list this groupless, um, a groupless group of Anglo, you know, but actually like there there comes a time where like, no, it's, we're going to be identified either by a, a house name or by a, a geographic location uh, as a totally new tribe, a new nation, you know, well, we'll be a new tribe. We won't be a nation. The Amish are a tribe. They're not a nation. The Afrikaners were briefly a nation. So a nation implies political sovereignty, whereas a tribe is 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 economic uh sovereignty and in-group preference uh one step before national sovereignty. <clears throat> DVG folk dancing is pretty based. The gender roles are very defined and symbolic. Yeah, and dressing up, man. We all love to dress up. You know, the girls love to dress up, the dudes love to dress up. The dudes won't tell you that, but we all have a, an opportunity to d- dress up. And that's the other thing, you know, like this revival of sea shanties and choral singing and like man, we want that, you know, and we want religious tradition, you know, for a lot of guys, we're so memed into thinking that, you know, any form of, of traditional religion is like uh, Like sitting in a pew for four hours in a stuffy suit listening to an old guy recite mathematical equations, you know, that's that's the meme But but really like man, let's get together have some guy pray, some guy read the Bible. We sing a bunch of super sweet songs together and we dance and we play sports and we eat food and we drink beer. Like that's religious ritual. Praise God. DVG, a great place to profile families and show off the genes in short shorts. Yeah, definitely. You know, and that's it. It's, it's instead of a dysgenic loop that our, our society is in, it's eugenic because we, we want to, to be high market value. We want to gain honor amongst people that we like. You know, half the reason uh, America is urban squalor and trailer trash and all this stuff is because we don't like anyone else. We don't like the people, so we stop impressing them. You know, and and not keeping up with the Joneses and and two cars in the garage and a big picket house. But when you're going to, to a church that you like with people you respect, you're like, wait, I want to dress well. I want to look good. I want, hey, that guy's jacked. That guy's jacked. They've, they've got a hot wife. They've got a hot wife. Like, well, it's time for me to be jacked and have a hot wife. Like it's eugenic. The people you hang around with, if you like them, you want to impress them. You want to gain honor and status and, and, and better your genes. We are able chaps to, to increase, uh, you know, that's the long game. Increase the genes. Uh, Jake Steen, Stein, 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 <clears throat> spell that out for me. Fanatic, fanatic. It only takes about six generations of intermarriage to become a nation. Yeah. Very cool. You know, and if you look at that at 20 year cycles, you know, if we're, if we're teaching our, our ladies to marry young, you know, that's only 120 years, it's only 120 years, but it's like, no, you could realistic. I mean, not us. I, I think for a lot of us, we, you know, we're, we're, we're some, we're recovering from clown world start, but, but our finish is going to be strong. Our finish is going to be so strong, but like, it's possible for us to see three generations before we die. Praise God. And our children may be able to see four or five <laughs> generations before they die. Woo. Praise God. DVG, it really all starts with friendships and brotherhood between the men. Evan Miller, swing dancing and contra dancing is based. <clears throat> yeah, folk dancing beats inner city, gender bending, urban dancing. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I never enjoyed, I never enjoyed the club, I never enjoyed all of that stuff because for me I want to chat. You know, I loved Bryce. In South Africa, we have Bryce, you know, you play some country music, you're outside, you you light some fires and you barbecue your meat. And you chat, you know, you talk. There's a bunch of girls, a bunch of dudes, you know, uh, everyone brings a friend, everyone brings meat and, and beer. And it's like, I love that, you know, and to throw in some some dancing, you know, some some folk dancing or, or whatever it is, it's like, man, this beats the urban, uh, you know, noise, uh, get drunk quickly, just pumping noise. You, I would go to bed with, you know, after our rugby matches when I, was, when I was at the rugby academy after high school, you know, you'd go play on a Friday night, and then you go have beers and go to the club with all the dudes. And it's like, <laughs> my body is sore. And now my ears are ringing and you get back on the pillow. And it's like, eee. I was like, never again. Alrighty. DBG. the folk dancing tells the history of the people, whereas much urban dancing is just how close you can get to sex without actually having it. Jake Stein. Well, there we have it. The Steins have it. Praise God. Yeah. And that's it as well. DBG, you know, I think we have to be honest about sex. So, so sexual market value, gene, gene maxing of our families, intertwining of genetics, building a new tribe. Uh, but also being sexually honest of, you know, I had a great chat with my wife today, but we were just saying like, you know, it's amazing how, uh, ignorant or it's amazing how tight lipped the church is <clears throat> with young people. You know, young girls nowadays, like it's man, it's so white pilling, you know, like, there's a few uh, young ladies that that my wife disciples, and it's like all they want to do is get married and have babies. All they want to do is be a stay-at-home mom and have babies and be married to some hot Captain America guy. And it's like, praise God! Let's talk about it. Let's teach them. Let's equip them. Let's let's get them ready to do what their dream is, what their God-given calling is. And then same with the dudes, man. Like we're 16-year-old, 16, uh, 16 years old. Our testosterone is through the roof, and all we're doing is like, you know you better not be masturbating young boy because that's the devil's stuff right there, boy. You know? And so you get these little 16 year olds who are like, just overcome with shame. And like, all they want to do is please the Lord, but like, we're not given the tools, you know? And it's like, chaps, we've got to be honest about, honest about sex, honest about the natural, the nature given desires that, that we have. And it's like, how do you manage that? How do you manage it? Well, you know, how do we take condemnation away? How do we steer guys into wholesome, uh, uh, management of their testosterone and all the stuff. And it's like, you know, it's conversations that not many pastors are willing to have that, you know, not many fathers have had. And so it's like, okay, you know, we'll go to the manosphere and get that. But often you're too late because by the time you learn how to start searching for the manosphere, you're like 20, 21 years old. And it's like, Oh man, I wish I'd known this at 14. (laughs) So yeah, incredibly, uh, incredibly long game thing of, of let's start being, and not crude, you know, cause I, I think sex is a beautiful thing from God and, and like men admire beauty, you know, and women admire power. And those are all inherently sexual things. So let's talk about it in a glorious way. Let's take the condemnation away, take the shame away. And let's like, what are God's ways? What are God's ways for this? Not what are man's controlling, you know, cause clown world is just super degenerate, totally degenerate, destroying, debasing, corrupting, uh, just crass. Whereas God's ways, you know, it's like, I think, I think we're in for a, a shock of like, wow, Lord, like to, yeah, you know, praise God, praise God. Jake Stein rugby is based. It really is. It's a phenomenal game. And I'm very glad, you know, it was the only kind of blood sport in my life that I had. And I think I would have grown up very soft if I hadn't played rugby, you know, cause I, I often think meanly, uh, of myself for never being one who engaged in fisticuffs or, or fights or whatever. Um, but I think, you know, no, like I mixed it up pretty hard on the rugby field and I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty glad I never backed away from, from stuff, you know, DG I'm teaching Manosphere light to early teen boys. now. I like that Manosphere light, you know, and I think that's the, I think that's the key for, for tons of Christian, for Christian guys. We want to be Christian, nice guys, but we've just been browbeaten uh, over the head with this uh, priestly standard of purity spiraling. That doesn't allow for the discussion of, of a man, a man's nature or a woman's nature. And so even if we can just be honest about stuff, we don't have to, we don't have to give prescribed law. We don't have to prescribe uh, condemnation. We can just be honest about what's going on and, and what is wise. What is the wise thing to do? You know, and for girls, it's like, get married at 16, you know, with your father's blessing. get married at 16 to the pool of, of 20, you know, 20 young folks that you've been vetting because of your network praise God for it praise God righty let's see what else man it's been a good stream chaps we've we've gone we've hit our hour mark who would have thought me alrighty righty righty yeah and so I'll finish on this, chaps with the, the broad tent of the right the local right that's a that's a good a good tent a local right you know common common enemy the clowns a common vision which is local Dominion Institutional power, common grace. So this is where we, where I really want to hit here is common grace. You know, this is where Mormons, Amish, Baptist boys, Presbyterian boys, Pentecostal boys, uh, BAP boys, uh, pagans, we can, libertarians. There's a natural grace. You know, it's often, it's funny how God's natural. I feel like God's natural grace is a vacuum that doesn't matter where you end up, you're going to get sucked into the vacuum. You know, so some guys are like, I'm just eating raw eggs and steak. And it's like sucked into the vacuum. And now they're like gender roles, uh, you know, all the uh, homeschooling, back to the land. Like, you know, what are all the wholesome things? It's a vacuum, you know, and wherever you enter, you're going to get sucked into this big, broad tent of like chaps. It's a natural grace. You know, there's natural grace on these guys that have like, You know, we can get along with broadly adjacent tribes, but see it as a diaspora. W lays a raw egg rabbit hole. Yes. And don't put a raw egg in a rabbit hole. It will. Yes. Praise God. Yeah. Praise God, chaps. Praise God. I think. Oh, and then living a fed. (laughs) Our tent welcomes the feds, you know, because that's it, chaps. We have to understand this. Our boogaloo, have a gun. Go out and buy a gun. Go out and buy ammo. Yes. Be willing. Be a dangerous man. But t- feds are welcome in our local right. You know, bring that sweet government money and drop it in our local economy, please. Because we're not doing anything that's illegal. We're not doing anything that is that is, you know. I look at I look at Killdozer, I look at Ted Kaczynski. Yes, they, you know, I think they were severely autistic and and severely pushed to the edge, especially in the case of of Killdozer. Perfectly understandable, my guy. But it's like, dude, take the L from the clowns and go start again somewhere else. You know, you're you're genius. You're moral Like, to be Killdozer, that took moral courage. To do what Ted Kaczynski did took moral courage. You're a courageous, insanely intelligent guy. Go be a father to 20 kids with a high IQ. Go start somewhere else, on land somewhere else, and <clears throat> use your persecution to raise your infamy within within your in-group. Build your tribe. Like, don't go killdozer. Don't go hit Ted Kaczynski. Like you're waste, you're robbing the rest of us of your gift. And so that's why I say feds are welcome. Like come drop your sweet money on us. <laughs> It would actually be sweet if we could get access to your da- databases and, and get sweet feedback loops of what's actually going on. But, you know, that's it, chaps. Like, don't be afraid. You know, don't be afraid of, like, and don't get don't get sucked in. You know, when, when the Fed is poking you with a stick, please do a it, terrorism. It's like, no, 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 come camping with me, Fed. <laughs> you know, praise God. Henry Parks, welcome, brother. Lives in Oz, can't even pick up a rock. <laughs> yes, the Fed, okay. In Australia, the Feds will get you. In England, the feds will get you. My butter knife license got revoked. Praise God for it. All right. Well, I love you, boys. Uh, Take courage. Have a lovely evening. And uh, we'll see you all tomorrow. So the rest of this week, we're going to do 4 o'clock. And uh, yeah, man, life is good, chaps. Reach out to some dudes. Go send, uh, get onto Twitter. Send some private messages to some dudes you haven't met yet. if you have emails or, or phone numbers, swap emails or phone numbers, and uh, just encourage you this week. Maybe just have start start at one phone call, you know, with a dude whose who's Twitter stream you really like, or whose YouTube videos you really liked, or whatever. Like, start reaching out, chaps. We have got to start creating this diaspora network, and uh, maybe we'll we'll hit something uh, for the end of summer. Have uh, have a sweet festival of sorts. Love you, boys. May the Lord bless you, and uh, have a good night.